Welcome to Expanding the Outdoors, where we center LGBTQIA plus voices and experiences in all things outdoors. Hello, guys, gals, and non-binary pals. This is your host, Chase, using they-them pronouns, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with Jai. Jai, welcome to Expanding the Outdoors. It is so great to have you here. Thanks. I'm happy to be here. Wonderful. So for our listeners, to help them get to know you a little bit more, first, can we have your pronouns and then a fun get-to-know-you question that I have for you since we were just at the bookstore. If you were a character in a book, who would be your character and what genre slash what would the book be about? Well, first, so my name is Jai. I also go by Miss Jai, and I use um, she, her, and he, him pronouns. And genre of book and what would my character be about? It would be a queer sci-fi book set in space. Um, and I, my character would be a uh, like metal scavenger who's out in the waste collecting old space parts for sale. <laughs> I haven't thought about this at all. (laughs) (laughs) No, not at all. Yeah, 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 yeah. Would there be, like, an adventure, or would it just be, like, a very, like, relaxed book? Like, would this character, like, find something while scavenging? Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, and then, like, be thrust upon... I would find some sort of alien artifact, and suddenly I would be... Like, where? what's happening? Why am I being chased by aliens? Yep. And uh, I'm just a lowly scavenger. Yep, and then yeah. you would collect a ragtag team of anti-heroes yeah, and all in save the amazing galaxy. amazing jumpsuits. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one The one thing that everybody needs to have. Oh, yeah, to be. A- absolutely. Yeah. I'm thinking, like, Sigourney Weaver a la Alien, Ooh, but, yes. like, not with the horror. <laughs> <laughs> Mild to no horror, yeah. if you please. <laughs> it would be lighthearted, but same hair, same jumpsuit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm, well, I look forward to reading that. Uh, and when it becomes a movie, Sigourney Reaver can be casted as you. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. I feel like I'll this. get on the horn with her. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, I feel like we've already learned so much about you from that one answer. Uh, so thank you so much for that. So let's get to know you a little bit more, though. So what I identities feel really close to you that you want to share with us today well i identify as a student right now Mm. which is very exciting i also like identify as like a student of life like (laughs) i'm always learning um which is very exciting but i'm also in the process of getting my master's degree in public health very exciting very exciting i'll be wrapping up with that in a few short months so congratulations thank you it's both exhilarating and terrifying (laughs) um i also identify as a queer person and uh, with the trans non-binary community i also identify as a white person of irish and english descent and i identify as i would say um a glamour Creature. Mm, mm-hmm. I like really tacky but chunky jewelry <laughs> uh-huh. and uh, velvets, even in the middle of summer. And then I, I also kind of identify as like a desert rat. I grew up mm. in Arizona. I lived in Tucson all my life. Now I live in Phoenix as of January. So um, I've always kind of just grown up in the desert. And yeah. so that's been, yeah, that's a bit of, a bit more about me. I love that paints such a picture of you. <laughs> I, I love like the glamour creature, the desert rat, like all these things paint such a beautiful picture of who you are. Thank you. I'm like a, a really fancy dressed up cactus. <laughs> <laughs> Which cactus? Uh, what are the, oh, an organ pipe. Ooh. Because I'm so tall. <laughs> For those of you who can't see, I'm over six feet tall, so. <laughs> Seven feet in heels. Yeah. (laughs) Perfect. I love it. Um, And now, of course, I'm imagining this organ pipe cactus triumphantly going about the galaxy in in a jumpsuit. Yeah, and really chunky jewelry. Yeah, and really chunky jewelry. So, listeners, that's the visual you now have of who's talking to you. Wilderness. Yeah, (laughs) it fits. It fits. Um, These identities that you share, which thank you so much for sharing them, 
how have they impacted or continue to impact your worldview? The way I, I think, like, being a student, because that's the one really that comes to the forefront for me right now, because it's because it's all that I'm doing right now is reading and research and classes. So being a student, I feel like, has really changed the way that I perceive just information that I'm getting out in the world. I was having a conversation recently about, like, information I, like, memes I was seeing on Instagram and news articles that were coming through on Instagram and how I had started to actually look at, like, the research behind what was being shared and how it illuminated different pictures of things. And so I think that it's made me much more inquisitive and then also more mindful of the amount of privilege that I have and, like, the space Mm -hmm. that I take up. Um, Even the privilege to, like, come and speak to you today, like, this... It makes me mindful of the the space that I occupy and how I occupy that and how I can step away and create space for other folks who don't have the same opportunities. So I think a, a lot about like the privilege that I bring to spaces um, and having my voice heard. And as, especially as I get into public health, I think more about that as well and what it could mean for my voice to be present in a public health area or like venue or um, with the state or with the federal government or what that might look like um, depending on my trajectory Mm. um, and how I can utilize the privilege that I have to leverage and create space for voices who don't have that same seat at the table. Yeah. I love that. And I love that you're bringing, you know, up these ideas of privilege because you've mentioned that you're part of marginalized communities, but you're also holding privilege in even those marginalized communities as well. And so also bringing in that aspect of being a student and being really thoughtful and intentional with the media that you're consuming and all of that and now how is that going to continue to play out um, as you continue to move forward in your life and in your career yeah absolutely and and also like i uh i have the realities of things that are going on around me right my life isn't happening in a vacuum and i i benefit a lot from the society that i'm raised in and the society i currently live in and the society values and like really holds up white supremacy in a lot of ways. And so it's important for me to recognize like why I'm afforded the opportunities that I am afforded mm. um, and to really like not rest until I've, uh, until I have, have really done everything I can to wield that in a way that creates space and opportunities for others. Yeah. And I, I think it will be um, interesting once I graduate as well, because it will give me further opportunities in the future, I think to uh, like not only create space but to allow for the opportunities for communities to speak to what their health needs are and what they want for their health um, as opposed to making decisions for communities Mm. Uh, Mm -hmm. making decisions with communities or creating the the venue for communities to make decisions for themselves yes which is really the way it should be anyway i will double tap that because yes (laughs) i think that's so important yeah and i think a lot of times it's it's um less of giving giving folks the tools because i feel like oftentimes like um, speaking as a queer person, I feel like there's a lot of ways that I felt really like I could stand up for myself and like I knew what I needed and what I wanted and how and what my health looked like. And I feel like often from um, racial and ethnic minorities, we hear very frequently like this is what we need. Like, don't be awful. Dismantle white supremacy. Don't be racist. Like, don't develop racist institutions. Like, actively push back against these things. Um, and so I, I often feel like it's less like let's let's empower the community to do these things and more so like let's just make space for the community to do what they already know mm-hmm. they need to do and really they have the ability to do and they just need the institutional power to complete it right yeah um, well thank you so much uh for sharing all of that i feel like in this very short time we've gotten to know so much of who jai is what jai is passionate about and what jai is gonna do to save the world Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, my little, little drop in the bucket. <laughs> in combination with everybody who's yeah, doing a lot yeah, of work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it, though. So let's transition into your connection with the outdoors. So I'm curious, just starting just really broad, do you consider yourself an outdoors person? Not really. Yeah, it's like yes and no. I feel like I'm more outdoors now than I have ever been which is also funny because I haven't been outdoors in what feels like months because it's so god awful hot (laughs) outside right now Mm -hmm. 
but I would say the I would say the majority of my life I haven't considered myself an outdoors person just because I have always really equated the outdoors with like a certain I think I've idealized what it meant to be an outdoor person. Okay. Like in order to be an outdoor person, I had to fit a certain type of body. Mm. I had to fit a certain type of athletic athleticism. Um, I had to do, I had to enjoy like being outdoors in certain ways. Mm. So like, I don't like being sweaty for a long period of time Mm -hmm. um, or stinky for a long period of time. And I think I always equated like being outdoors with like camping and not showering for a week at a time and things like that. And so if I couldn't make that threshold or I, or I didn't enjoy that, then clearly I wasn't outdoorsy. Mm. But I will say that I that that has changed for me over the last year because I feel like the outdoors has uh, become a real source of strength for me. And specifically, it's like really helped my mental health in getting outside once a week now like once every couple like once every couple weeks just because it is again so hot um it's really helped my mental health it's really helped me with slowing down and not really becoming over fried from school and work and like a lack of social interaction right now Mm -hmm. because right now i i wake up and I go and I make breakfast and I go to my computer and I work for eight hours and then I do homework and then I shut it down and I go to sleep and I kind of just like step and repeat that every day and so it can really easily become very monotonous and I can start to get very like stressed and worried and so stepping away from that and going for a hike which is what I've been doing a lot of has really helped to center myself and help me to like force me to slow down and not focus on school or work for however many hours I'm hiking or what Mm -hmm. that looks like I I used to be really I used to be really concerned with the the ways that I would engage with the outdoors too especially around hiking because I felt like if I started something I had to finish it if I started if I start a trail I have to finish the trail Mm. um and hiking more frequently has really helped me to be like no like I can just go for as long as I can go um and being it's helped me be much more kind to my body as well Mm. so in a lot of ways it's really helped me to reconnect with my body it's helped me to center myself a little bit more and it's been helping a lot with my mental health Mm -hmm. so now i would say i'm outdoors ish is a long roundabout way a couple things i'm curious on first is you talked a little bit about this you felt like you you had this ideal of an outdoors person that you didn't fit and two things that you mentioned of like stinky and like sweaty. Mm-hmm. What else did that ideal outdoors person look like? Like super fit, had tons of gear. I get. I guess it's also difficult because growing up in uh, Tucson, it's like it's a valley and it's like low desert valley, and so I always imagined out, outdoorsy people had to like go up to the forest. Uh, okay. Like had to go up to the mountains and do rock climbing and tra- and like trail hiking and camping and backpacking and things like that. Like mm. that was what I in my mind was like that's an outdoorsy person. And I didn't think of like taking a walk in the desert as being outdoorsy. Mm. And so I think that that is and that I think that's a misperception. Like that's being outdoors. Yeah, yeah. And be outdoorsy, <laughs> right? Like, you but can where do you think in a variety of ways? Yeah, where do you think that perception came from? So there's two things that come to mind for me from like how I grew up. The first is I grew up uh, and was like I grew up as a boy, so I was assigned male at birth and grew and was raised as a, a boy. And so I was in the Boy Scouts when I was very young, and I was in the I was in the Boy Scouts with my two brothers. And my dad was very excited about it. And so everything we did that was Boy Scouts related involved us leaving the city and going to the mountains. Oh, okay. So we would go up to camp for a weekend in the mountains and we would do outdoor activities during that time. Mm -hmm. And when I came out, that all kind of like dissolved and fizzled away because at, at the time, like there was a lot of challenges with 
and there still are challenges with the Boy Scouts, but um, at the time, like, it was it was very much, like, uh, queerness does not exist in the Boy Scouts. Right. And so, like, that quickly became, like, I can't be this person. Like, I can't do these things that I was doing before in the Boy Scouts because of my queerness. Mm. So that's the first part of it. The second part of it is, now that I think about it, every year my family would go on a week-long camping trip. Mm-hmm. But the week-long camping trip... Oh, I feel like such a nerd. Which is great. Tell us. But it's, I feel so nerdy. <laughs> so the week-long camping trip was part of this like renaissance reenactment group called the SCA, the Society for Creative Anachronism. And uh, my family would go and like reenact periods of the Middle Ages at this week-long camping trip. And I remember like really, really loving that because there were components of like I would get to learn about... That, like something in antiquity, like the history of stamp making and how to make a barometer and like all these like sciency pieces that I really, really loved. But there were also like shower stalls on site and things like that. So I never really thought of that as wilderness camping. I always thought of it as like dress up camping. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, n- and now that I think about it, I'm like, well, actually, like, we were camping. We were cooking meals, and we were, like, there was camping that was still happening. But again, it wasn't happening in, like, the woods. And so I think my mind equated the woods with being outdoors. Mm, and, like, a ruggedness that, like, needed to be present. And yeah. if it wasn't present, then, oh, then it's not outdoors. Ruggedness and, like, an isolation. Oh, interesting. So, like, it ha- you had to be, like, on your own and self-sustaining. Mm. I think I'm pretty sh- I'm sure a lot of that is tied to, like, expectations of masculinity. Right. And and, and Boy Scout things and, like, the yeah. Hatchet book. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. where he's, like, the whole, he um, crash lands on his plane and he just survives in the wilderness by himself. Like, that whole, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's very much, like, figure out how to live off the land because you might need to do it at some point. Right. To survive. Right. Yep. <laughs> And that's still something that outdoor scholars, there are certain outdoor scholars that do very much hold that sentiment that are like, the average child wouldn't be able to live off the land by themselves. And I'm like, but nobody should be living off the land by themselves. You should live off the land by community, not just you. Why why does it need to be individual? That also feels like very white. Yes. And very like Eurocentric to be like, yes. no one knows how to live off the land. I'm Mm -hmm. like... in. Actually, like, indigenous folks have been living Look, off of, like, land for a very long time. Right, yeah. So, and like, they do it by through community, not yeah. just singular one person. Yeah, that's fascinating. So silly. I love, though, so you had this this one experience of the Boy Scouts that just didn't match you well. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like this experience through the SCA did match you in a lot of ways because it was bringing in like the crafty elements and that science elements that you seem to get really excited about yeah i think also the costuming and the costuming yeah of course (laughs) of course but i never thought of that as like being in the wilderness right but there was like there was a lot of comfort with it like i really enjoyed camping i really enjoyed going on those trips and I do wonder, too, if there was less pressure to be heterosexual, cisgender, mm. masculine. Like, I, I think heterosexual still was, like, there was this current of, like, still be straight. But I feel like there was more flexibility with how I enjoyed, like, sleeping in a tent, how mm. I enjoyed camping, how I right. enjoyed these things. It wasn't, like, a rigid structure of, like, everybody's going to do this thing and this thing and this thing. That's more of, like explore what you would like to do while we're all outside yeah doing this yeah there was no expectation of like the only water you're gonna get is by distilling it from morning dew like it was (laughs) it was very it wasn't like whittle a stick and then go hunt and trap something it was very much like we're gonna enjoy a meal together and then you're gonna go do your own thing and i'm gonna go do my own thing and we'll come back together for like dinner time and Mm. like there was just a lot more freedom to it yeah, I love that. Can you trace back or can you kind of tell us more about when the shift started happening for you of being able to recognize that SEA is an outdoor thing or can be considered an outdoor activity or when you were able to start like getting back into the outdoors and, and now, you know, define yourself as outdoor-ish? I think for the SEA that happened more maybe a couple of years ago 
as I was planning to go for the first time back in a while um, with my family, it kept getting referred to as camping. And I think it started to click for me then. That like, oh, we're like we're going camping. And like I used to always joke too that I'm a minimalist camper, but really I was just under unprepared. <laughs> um, because I'd be like, I have a tent and I have a camping chair. Let's go camping. Which clearly <laughs> I mean, you got shelter in the seat, but uh But nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently I'm trying to, to convince myself to live off the land. Right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I'm gonna fit this idea. Yeah. <laughs> um even though I ran from it as a child. Um <laughs> And so I, th- I feel like that was when it started to shift for me of like uh, of understanding like, oh, actually, no, like we, we are going camping. Like this is a camping trip, even if we're going to go camping and then dress up, which as a side note, I feel silly saying like, oh, it was like the Renaissance reenactment stuff as a camping trip. But the idea of like dressing up on a camping trip, like I think about like going to a camping trip and doing a drag show while camping with friends actually sounds really fun. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, the more I think about it, I'm like, oh, it's just a really fun, quirky part of my past. So I would say that was that was more when I started to conceptualize those pieces. In terms of feeling more outdoors-ish, I would say that's happened really in the last year. As I have... Well, here's, here is a, a great example. I was going through a really rough period around like December, November, December. And at one point, I decided I was just going to go hiking on my own and I had done some like hiking trails on my own but generally I'd gone with other people hiking and so it felt kind of weird to go hiking on my own and in November I started going every weekend on like these short hiking trails by myself and it felt really energizing and this time I decided I was going to hike a summit on my own and I had never done it before and I managed to do it and I was sitting on I was sitting on the summit and I was above where a vulture was flying so like the Ooh. vulture was flying but it was below me oh wow where i was at and i just had this moment of like i'm really po- like i felt very powerful in my body because i had done something that i didn't think i could do mm. and i had done something that felt it just felt good like moving our bodies feels good stretching exercising those things like bring about a lot of really positive feelings for us both like just like dumping endorphins into our body but like but also just feels good for us. And uh, it was the the first time in a long time that I felt really rooted in my body. Mm. And so that was a really powerful and profound experience. And I I remember thinking to myself after the fact, like, oh, I'm a hiker now. Like, this is something I can do. (laughs) And so it was just like, I I think proving to myself that I could do it was kind of when that switch flipped for me. Mm -hmm. And then like a month and a half later, I went hiking with a friend of mine who is a much stronger hiker than I am. And well, that's not accurate. We are of similar strength, but they are a, um, they're a much faster hiker than I am. Okay. I go, I just go slower and they're a much faster hiker than I am. And we ended up hiking along this ridge back, which I had never done either. And it was gorgeous and beautiful, but at one point I lost them because they just, like, took off, like, a bolt of lightning into the wilderness. (laughs) That's a mountain goat. You're like, huh. And I was just like, all right, like, I'm in a bright pink jacket. Like, you're not going to lose me. (laughs) But it it was, again, this moment of I'm able to do this, and I'm also able to do this at my own speed. Mm. And I'm able to do this for myself and not for anyone else and I think that that was when I it hit me like I I can be outdoorsy and I can do it at at my own pace yeah I love that I mean I just love the imagery of you and that vulture and feeling rooted in yourself and the idea of I can go at my own pace the the very simple of like oh I'm a hiker because I was able to prove to myself that I can do this thing like all of that is just it all just sounds so powerful and very formative for you to be on this this journey of outdoors ish yeah it was it was really cool and it made me start thinking about like what are the other things I'd like to explore yeah and where are the other places I'd like to go because I think there's a lot of ways to experience the world and it will be really and it's really exciting to think that there are ways to experience it that are different than any ways that I've experienced it so far Mm -hmm. love that so now with this, you know, this journey that you've been having in the past year, what outdoor activities do you like to take part in? I really like hiking. Um, it's a little bit difficult for me because I have uh, a messed up knee. 
Um, and so it's, 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 I was in like a car accident when I was a kid. And so it's hard for me to go for long periods of time or like my, my IT bands will start to get really, really super tight. And so I have to be mindful of like how fast I'm going and kind of like give a lot of background if I go with somebody else as to like why I need to go slower. But I really enjoy hiking. I am enjoying camping more, but I still think I'm like a short term camper. Mm -hmm. Like I want to go for a few days and then and that's it. Um, just <laughs> and because there's I, a plus if there's a shower. Oh, and, and more if there's yeah, a shower. Yeah, 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 like I'm just, I just, I don't like being super grungy. Yeah, and that's okay. Yeah, it's just, it's just for me, like I have this like tactile thing that it just, I start to panic a little bit. Mm. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're like, ooh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so I really enjoy that. I want to, I really enjoy the ocean as mm. well, which coming from the desert I don't think of the... I haven't often thought of the ocean as the outdoors. Oh, interesting. I've only... Re again, like, I really think of the woods. Oh, yes, yes, yes. As the outdoors. So, so what, did, what did you see the ocean as, then? Vacation and tourism. Okay, then. All right. So I've been trying to, like, think to myself, like, what is what does it mean to... I, I, I'm thinking of it more now as, like, biomes. Mm. Like, how can I experience different biomes and like see wilderness within those spaces um and i really enjoy the ocean i really enjoy lakes and like going and visiting those places i haven't really done like kayaking or canoeing or anything like that although i'm interested in it so yeah hiking and camping for the most part i tried rock climbing once which was fine <laughs> Oh. Uh, listeners, if you could see her face, <laughs> I hope I hope it came through with its own. I was, was... I'm convincing myself it was fine. <laughs> um, I did it because I had a crush on someone who was really into rock <laughs> that tracks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was it. I I really enjoy nature in ways that feel a little bit more leisurely mm. because it. Though I enjoy moving my body and. And like hiking can feel really good. I there are also like parts of my body that don't feel good, and so it can be difficult if I'm doing an outdoor activity that's very physically strenuous or physically mm -hmm. exerting. I have to really work myself up to it. Mm -hmm. I love that idea because it's so incredibly valid, and I think the the message that we often get with outdoors is that it has to be physically draining and, and and straining and all these things and therefore leisurely outdoor activities are not outdoor activities they're leisure activities which is bullshit yeah. <laughs> because people should be able to go and just be at a beach and that be considered an outdoor activity and being outdoorsy so i i really appreciate you bringing that up because it helps it's a good counter narrative to a very dominant narrative we see in the outdoor world yeah Thank you for saying that. I, I, I'm even like starting to think about other ways like gardening and sitting in a garden and being just being outdoors and in areas and is a way of in, engaging for me. My my grandmother used to have this really beautiful garden and we would sit in her garden and watch hummingbirds. And so because they would migrate through southern Arizona. And so like that was something that I always really, really loved and I still get very excited like when I get a chance to see gardens or like wander through like rose gardens and things mm. like that like that's it it reminds me a lot of like the nostalgia of being like a young closeted queer kid who's in love with the matriarchs of their family <laughs> and <laughs> and like spending time with family in those ways that feel really like wholesome and held and comforted um and so yeah I, I think about that as well like how how wonderful it would be and, and how much I wish that I had a space right now where I could uh, center my day by going out and having like a cup of coffee in my garden and journaling and those sorts of things in a space that just felt a, a little bit more surrounded by nature. Yeah. I would love to see an outdoor store like REI have a gardening section. That'd be great. And have clothes that are for gardeners and tools that are for gardeners. Like, that would be because, yes, because that would be a wonderful addition to show, like, yes, this is an, this is also an outdoor activity. Out, like, gardening? Like, gardeners? They're legit. They're fierce. Yeah. My, my yeah. uncle, yeah. like, I was like, 
a full-on jungle, and his backyard, and he's out there every single day. He is an outdoors person. I would consider yeah. him an outdoors person. He's trimming his rose bushes, and he's planting all these things, and there's there's literally nature everywhere. Yeah. And yet we we don't consider that an outdoor activity. Yeah. Which just seems strange. Yeah, when when you even say that, I think about the initial question of, like, what what did I imagine, like, the outdoor person as? And it's very much, like, fight the nature. Mm. So, like, you have to prepare yourself to fight nature. Because nature is be, something that is going to attack you. Yeah, because it's yep. going to be too cold, or it's going to be too hot, or it's going to be too unhospitable, and you have to survive it. Mm-hmm. Or you have to get the appropriate gear to work out in mm. nature. Mm-hmm. And, like, those are really the two narratives I feel like I, I learned a lot of. Not... That nature can be rejuvenating and like, and and provide space to just breathe and rest. Mm. I don't think I've ever seen nature related to as a space for rest. I've only ever seen it referred to as a space for um, either fi- like fighting against natural elements or like exercising in. Yeah. Are there any recent examples, like in your adult life, or anybody that you've that has helped teach you that nature can be a place for rest and rejuvenation? I think you and I, our conversations have been helpful because it's given me a different perspective on on the ways that like nature is perceived and also engaged in. And then also, I uh, a mentor of mine who I've been hiking with has really helped me to see different different ways of engaging in nature and how that can be supportive to my mental health mm. and giving me time to like rest and and reflect and reconnect with nature. And that has also been very interesting because it's also helping me to reconnect a little bit more with the spiritual side mm. of myself that I didn't know was like absent. And, and what it means for me to learn more about the culture of my family and my, and my heritage and where, what their connection to nature was for, uh, for Irish folks and for English folks and what that, that has looked like for them traditionally. And so it's been very interesting because I feel like on one side of the, of the family we have like Celtic religion and Celtic traditions which are very much rooted in nature and Mm -hmm. natural space and and ritual within ritual out in open wilderness areas on the other hand on the other side of the family we have the english who oftentimes would like mold nature to fit what they wanted it to look Mm -hmm. like so like the development of large ground gardens and like manicuring them and making them pristine in ways that they're perceived as as opposed like taming the wild Mm. so almost like these like very opposite views of nature um and the ways that like nature can be engaged with Mm. what a journey yeah a lot of that i just (laughs) am reflecting on as i'm talking (laughs) (laughs) well in episode two when we come back we'll dive into that after you (laughs) dove into it yourself you've talked a lot about you know, what you participate in um, and what you're able to participate in. Are there any outdoor activities that you want to participate in, but it feels off limits to you? I would say that there, that not so much now. I feel a lot more comfortable with engaging in the activities that I, that I am interested in, in the outdoors. I would say that that is, again, like a more recent development in the last like year, maybe like two years, where I've felt more confident in my ability to like engage with my own outdoorsy nature. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So right now I would say, I would say there isn't anything in particular that feels off limits. I will say though, that there are spaces that don't feel like it's necessarily safe to be like queer or femme Mm. in. But I also am, like, a big personality, and I am also very much, like, I'm going to be in space. Like, (laughs) there are all sorts of spaces outside of the outdoors realm Mm -hmm. that are also not safe for queer femme folks to be in. Can you name those spaces that feel, and particularly in the outdoors, that feels like it's not for queer femme folks? Yeah, I, I feel like if I were camping somewhere, for example, like, I would be really hyper aware 
of the ways that I was acting, the ways that mm-hmm. I was like, I wouldn't be able to relax okay. because I would be concerned that there that folks around me would potentially like pick up on my queerness and that it would become dangerous. And I like I've pulled like I pulled into camping spots and hiking spots before and seen like very conservative rhetoric or folks who who were wearing like very conservative things and decided like just for safety's sake to leave and find like a different spot or go somewhere else. And so like I wouldn't say that it's necessarily like as a whole off limits, but more so situationally mm. off limits. Because I'm also still a tall white person. And I think oftentimes that's that is perceived first before mm. my gender identity or my queerness. Mm-hmm. Because ge- generally if I'm going out into the wilderness, I'm going to be in like a t-shirt and shorts. And so, which are, I would say, pretty gender neutral. Yeah. For as far as like clothing goes. Mm-hmm. And so... I it might be ident- I might be identifiable as different, but not necessarily like to be attacked. So it's it's hard because I think some of it is like my own stuff that I'm carrying with me around like h- how I think I'm being perceived, and then the the like very real concern of if I'm going into a small town or I'm going into somewhere that does not have a lot of like visible queerness, like. It might be difficult for me to get gas Mm. when going home. It might be difficult for me to stop and pick up water. Mm. It may be difficult for me to get snacks. So I I do a lot of, like, pre-planning ahead of time. Or I just, like, won't go out into rural Arizona Mm. is what happens more frequently. And I appreciate, I mean, so many things that I appreciate that you just said. One, you know, owning the fact of, yes, you identify as a queer femme. However, you also own that you present as a white tall person mm-hmm. and that and you recognize that that's going to be oftentimes read first depending on what you're wearing and things like that and i think that's a really important call out because i think oftentimes what happens in the queer community especially for queer folks that are white they try to throw in the marginalized identity of queer in first and be like, oh, well, I have this identity and that's that I'm facing these things with like forgetting that they're whiteness and the privilege that comes with that. Mm-hmm. And our identities are multifaceted and we all, you know, might experience oppression in different ways, but having oppression, you can still have privilege and still have oppression in those. And so being yeah. able to do the work and really understand like how those different show up in different spaces. Um, I think is really important. So that's why I appreciate, you know, talking about that and and breaking that down for us. The other piece that I liked that you talked about is something that people don't always think about when traveling to an outdoor space Mm -hmm. is oftentimes these outdoor spaces are going to be in smaller towns and rural towns that are not typically known for being friendly to BIPOC folks, to queer folks, to anybody that's not white and straight and cis. And so that can change plans of either A, if I'm even going to go to that hike route, or if I'm going to make sure that I have everything that I need and not stop for gas if I really don't need to. Some people can just wake up and just go on a trip and not even have to think about that. And that's a huge privilege that, again, I think people don't really realize when it comes to accessing outdoor places. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that it's also something that... I think it's also something that we that changes depending on who I'm with, mm. too. So there will be times when I am going somewhere on my own and I will, and I'll just be like, yeah, I'm not going to stop. Like, it's fine. And then there are other times when I might feel more bold because I'm with somebody else, but I need to also take into account, like, how are they feeling in the space? Mm. So one of the folks that is my mentor that I go on a lot of, like, outdoor hikes with um, is black. And so, like, if we're going to spaces that are going to be in like rural small town Arizona it may not be that the queerness is the is the thing that sends people off mm-hmm. um, or makes it an unsafe space it might be like the the like really deep-seated white supremacy and racism mm-hmm. that exists in rural Arizona and so which that's sweeping with a broad brush but it's a pretty 
I'm a pretty accurate broad brush. I mean, you uh, can drive but, up to rural Arizona and see Trump signs. So yeah, we so, we know yeah, what's here. So yeah. it's like it's keeping. I think it's it. It also becomes a conversation that a lot of times is really unspoken. Um, and I wonder what it would be like if we just talked about it more frequently of like, let's talk about places to go that feel safer for mm. us. I went on a trip to uh, Belize a couple of years ago with a, a group of my friends who were who are heterosexual cisgender women of different races and ethnicities. And we went to Belize because we as a group decided that, that was a, a, an area we wanted to go to. We wanted to go to the beach. We wanted to see an island. We, and so we like went off the, the mainland. We were very excited by it. And when we got there, it became really clear that like queerness was a problem in the country. Mm. Like there, there were there are laws outlawing mm. like same gender sexual relations, and so in that situation, it felt like we're going somewhere that's going to feel really, really great for the like the racial diversity of our group, so that we're going to not feel like there's going to be like we're going somewhere that's going to be more racist the United States um, but in that instance it was the queerness that stood out so I think it also really depends on like where you're going and and maybe having some of those conversations ahead of time yeah I think that's really great and I think the more that we normalize balancing these different identities and how these different identities are going to shift experience from one place to the other mm -hmm. because we all hold multiple identities and we also have to recognize what you were talking about earlier how we are viewed to others yeah as well so like even if we hold a queer identity how we dress in a certain situation our skin color is going to keep us a lot safer compared to other folks and vice versa so yeah i think it's just yeah having those conversations and and talking to our you know who we're going out with and i think it's something too though that organizations can really note when they're thinking about oh, we want to, you know, make our hiking groups or our guiding groups or whatever, like, more equitable and more accessible. And it's like, okay, are you thinking about all these things? Are you thinking about the group that you're taking to this remote backpacking place? And, sure. like, who you're, you're going to run into? And do you have, like, a plan of action if you run into somebody that is not safe on that trail? Like, all these things you got to think about because sure. it's not... I wish it it was as easy as a like oh just smile at everybody on the trail but it, it's not that easy because not everybody smiles back and why and also why is that the expectation right like why do we have to why do we have to show up and and be friendly to right. strangers right in order to be treated with basic basic human dignity right when um, if we looked like them then there would be no issue it's very yeah it's very I, that's a very good point about it's more than just for out like outdoor excursions and like organizations that are or groups that are putting them together it's more than just well we have a diverse group of folks coming with us on this hike mm -hmm. like there are more considerations than that that need to be taken into account right do you feel like you yourself or your community is represented in the outdoor industry no <laughs> <laughs> no uh, I, I i feel like I don't, I've never seen, I think, marketing or I've never seen anything specifically marketed to queer folks about being outdoors with the exception of the like youth camp. But for queer adults, I can't think of anything. Although that camp, I mean, the camp is a pretty large piece of being outdoors and doing outdoorsy things, but that's the only time I've seen it. And it's from a queer specific organization right yeah. so i can't think of a time that i saw like rei have like queer people on like represented for mm -hmm. a marketing campaign outside of like corporate like pink washing where yeah. it's like we put rainbows on everything buy our stuff like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, i can't think of other times uh, any times that i've seen anything like that and i don't see really a lot of examples of queer femme like trans femme folks engaging in the outdoors. It almost feels like the outdoor, in order to be queer in the outdoors, you have to be like a butch lesbian. Mm. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a, a stereotype that's pretty strong in our community. You have to be like a flannel lesbian. Yeah. 
the the cargo shorts, the flannels, which by the way, we love our flannel lesbians. Oh, yeah, we for love sure. our butch lesbians. But yeah, I would agree that it feels like in order to be considered like an outdoor queer fit or even not even that to be accepted into the outdoor community, you gotta butch up. Mm-hmm. You gotta butch up but still be cisgender. Yes. Yeah, because I would say that there, that I see very little examples of transmasculine folks pretty much anywhere, mm-hmm. but in the outdoors especially, yeah. or in like outdoor situations. I, I think it's very interesting too because growing up, for a lot of my life, I because I came out as gay as a gay man when I was very young. I came out when I was in middle school, and. I didn't really come to terms with my gender identity until I was in college. Mm. And so I I lived a lot of my life like trying to fit into this ideal gay male package. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't until I started like getting some therapy and also like exploring <laughs> my gender identity that I started that I understood that like that, that wasn't me, that I was gender queer and gender fluid and trans. And and also like pansexual <laughs> um, but it wasn't until I started to see that that I started to see kind of what the expectations were for me that I was putting on myself mm. based off what I was learning in the gay male community mm-hmm. and when I think gay male outdoors the first thing I think of is finding sexual partners Oh, because so much of and like cruising and things like mm. that like I I, I think about that first because whenever I think of the outdoors and being queer in the outdoors, I think about how that has been really sexualized for gay men. Interesting. As a way to find sexual partners because of like fear of folks finding out that we're gay or queer. Uh, and okay. so like cruising came out of this like necessity to to not be found out around mm. your identity and in some instances felt safer than like being publicly or openly gay mm-hmm. and I've never thought about that in terms of like outdoors but that's just the first thing that came to mind yeah outdoors and like being a gay man it's just interesting I mean to hear you talk through this mm-hmm. and come to these realizations on your own as well all these layers that are within you and it in regarding to your connection with the outdoors so we started out at the very beginning with your ideal of it needs to be like super rugged and isolated and things like that and now we're having this like oh also it was like hypersexualized and it was a place of like cruising and yeah it's just it's very fascinating yeah it's it's interesting because i also don't think there's anything wrong with cruising and i think I think outdoor sex can be really enjoyable. Like, there's a lot of really, like, really great positive attributes that I give to that as well. It's just interesting that that would be, that would be seen as the, as the outdoor activity. Mm -hmm. Or that was something that I learned from a young age is that that was the outdoor activity once I came out. Was to cruise, was to find a sexual partner. I think it really changed my the way that I engaged in, in outdoor recreation. And so now that I've like really redefined that for myself, it's been interesting that that hasn't really crossed my mind since a lot of this, I'm just sort of like unpacking as we're talking because (laughs) I I don't think a lot about being, like I said, at the beginning, I don't think a lot about being outdoorsy, Mm -hmm. but it is something that has become much more important to me Mm -hmm. for my mental health and for my ability to connect to my body and so, which even that, like connecting to my body after just like equating the outdoors to se- like hypersexualization is also really something that I'm sure I'll have to unpack. In <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get it. It's just like, well, one, thank you for being so open with us. Um, and I'm sure that there's at least one person that's listening to this and going, oh, yeah, me too. Right. And especially if it's something that was just very is very normalized in the gay male community of it's an outdoor activity and that all goes into our spectrum of outdoor activities <laughs> so here we are and that gets them very outdoorsy yes oh, super outdoorsy 
Jersey, right? It's multifaceted. I'm curious, circling back to the question of do you feel like you're representing the outdoor community? Obviously, it's a lack of representation. How do you see it impact your relationship with exploring the outdoors? Does it impact your relationship at all? If there was more representation, would it be a positive impact? Would it be neutral? What are your thoughts? I think if we had talked about this like six months ago, it would be really important for me to have more representation. It would be really important for me to to know what queerness in the wilderness could look like. But I would say that in the last six months, I've met more folks who explore the outdoors in a variety of ways. Mm. And so even though I'm not seeing representation in media, representation in marketing, the more I am getting out into the spaces that that feel really nice in the outdoors, so like hiking and camping and going to the ocean and going to the lake, the more I'm talking to folks who are like, oh, I also really enjoy that. So to some extent, I feel like there's almost this community within the community Mm -hmm. that may just not talk about it very frequently that they enjoy the outdoors. Mm -hmm. And so I think it would be, I think it's less around wanting more representation and I think it's more for me I think it's more around wanting more avenues for connecting with other queer Mm. people in outdoor recreation Mm -hmm. I love that because you know I feel similarly because I feel like media representation feels fake it feels like it's just there for the dollars it Mm. it doesn't feel authentic it feels very we lined all these these people who look diversity inclusion equity-esque and we put them on a paper and we said here we go and then you still walk into the organization or the store and you're like this still isn't for me and what you know what you're talking about is more so just one of these avenues to chat with more people because that's what helps normalize what we all do and mm-hmm. helped, and what you're just saying is like it helped you realize like oh there's these folks who participate in the outdoors in many different ways and therefore the way that I do it is valid and I think that's really beautiful and really wonderful thank you I, I feel like representation is important so I, I do think that it is important to have those things but I, I feel like representation makes makes something possible that didn't feel possible mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. And I'm not in that space anymore. I don't mm-hmm. feel like the outdoors is impossible to me. Yeah. And so I don't think that that, I think that that's why I'm not needing, for me, like I'm not needing representation or feeling like that that will shift my relationship with the outdoors. Right. What will shift my relationship with the outdoors, I think, is knowing where to go to meet other queer folks mm-hmm. in outdoor settings or to like explore new outdoor adventures and recreation with folks that I know are not going to treat me poorly. Right. Or in spaces that I know are safe. Right. And I think that that's really like the crux of it is like safe spaces. Yeah. Because even going to the beach, going to a lake, going hiking, camping, sitting on on the the shore, like those are still things that sometimes fill me with anxiety Mm -hmm. being um because I'm a queer, visibly femme person, like that visibly, I, I I don't like visibly trans, but I am visibly trans. Like lots of folks see me and they they see that I'm that my gender is is fluid, is mm. gen, I am gender queer, and so uh, it's something that I think a lot about. Of just like I'm gonna sit in the space, and is this space gonna isn't gonna necessarily feel comfortable for me or feel safe. And so if there were more spaces like that where it was, like, clear, like, queer people are welcome here mm. and non-queer people are welcome here, I don't think it's it's just, like, I only want queer exclusive spaces. Right. Um, just queer welcoming spaces. Queer welcoming spaces, I think, would be, uh, would make me feel much more comfortable. And, and with that, I'm not looking for, this is, this is a space for gay men. Mm. This is a space for... Because I, I also have gone to, like, like beaches and whatnot that are like, this is a gay men's beach. And that also doesn't feel very comfortable because that also doesn't fit with identity. And I almost feel like there's more pressure in those spaces. And so I, I think being able to say, like, we're, like, where are the queer meetups? I think that that would be helpful. I love all of that. And as you were talking, I was just thinking about 
changing the definition of representation mm-hmm. and pulling it away from corporate marketing and redefining it as creating spaces and showing that multiple different types of folks can partake in different activities and just redefining what representation actually can and should mean. Yeah, and and showing the depth, mm-hmm. right? So I, th- I think oftentimes when things are marketed to queer folks, it's very much like a two-dimensional caricature of queerness. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, this person has a different colored hair and is wearing an earring and is kind of femme and or kind of ambiguous and it's a very two-dimensional image of and perception of what it means to be queer mm-hmm. and i think what what you're speaking to is like per, is providing more of that depth of mm-hmm. like we want more than just someone looks like me which is imp- is important mm-hmm. but someone looks like me and also there are spaces for folks like me right yeah, because I want to be able to show up like, not not only like yes, it's nice to see myself, but I want to be able to show up and be myself, mm-hmm. and and be celebrated for being yeah myself and whatever that might look like. You've talked a little bit about kind of your experiences, like when you were talking about going to rural places and your pre planning and things like that. I'm curious, have is there any particular experience that you would want to share with us or just kind of like a, a grouping of experiences in the outdoors where you have felt uncomfortable? Maybe somebody looked at you in a certain way or made an offhanded comment or it was an actual dangerous situation. Any experiences that you would want to share with us? I would say that the one, the first one that comes to mind was like going to a small town to hang out in a cabin for a weekend and having to stop at a store to pick up like a citronella candle and like a couple of things that I had forgotten Mm -hmm. when I was packing and walking into a store and just have like having like these throwaway jerk comments Mm -hmm. come out so just like I I think because I am tall I'm broad shouldered and I'm white I don't experience the levels of physical violence or or physical fear, like fear for my physical safety. But oftentimes it's just like really awful comments and folks saying like homophobic, transphobic things, mm-hmm. um, which does feel unsafe. But I often feel like those things aren't going to escalate in the way that they will for some of my queer peers. Mm-hmm. Um, or could for some of my queer peers. And so that's the first example that I that I think of. I would say that I've probably had more positive experiences than negative. That's good. Yeah. And I can think of when I saw like other queer people mm-hmm. in outdoor spaces while I was there and how powerful that was. Mm. So I think those are also the things that I've held on to more. You want to share some of the positives? Yeah. Uh... So I joke about how queer people, when we see each other in public, like we're ag- aggressively nice with one another. <laughs> like, um, like we like the the queer agenda is to compliment one another. Mm-hmm. Almost this in this like my queerness sees your queerness mm-hmm. moment. Mm-hmm. And so, be like being on a trail and uh, hiking through and seeing someone else who is like trans femme or like gender nonconforming who's wearing like a like a a feminine looking tank top and gets very excited because i'm wearing booty shorts (laughs) um and so they they complimented me and i complimented them and we were just like teehee and like went on our ways Mm -hmm. but it was it was just this moment of seeing one another which felt really good Mm -hmm. and there was this other time too i went with a group of folks camping and we were going up for like a three-day weekend I hadn't been camping in years and there were six of us and we were all we were all queer and we were like let's go camping we're gonna do a big gay camping trip and we went up camping and we were cooking dinner and there was these there were these two folks that were camping next to us who were uh, a gay couple and so they saw us we saw them and we were just like oh my gosh there's other queer people here (laughs) like we didn't think that 
other queer people could exist in nature no. uh, outside of the folks that we came with. Mm-hmm. And so they ended up like joining us and hanging out with us and we had a meal together and, and hung out and we still keep in contact mm-hmm. um, to this day because it was just like one of those serendipitous moments of seeing one another out in, in the wild. <laughs> <laughs> and so like those are some of the like positive things, moments that I can think of. Yeah. I really haven't had many negative experiences because, and I, I think for the most part, it's because my I have limited my outdoor excursions, and I don't. I generally don't go to rural or like backwoods areas for hiking and such. I I do the majority of my hiking and much more like populated trails. Yeah. Two questions: Do you want to go to more rural hikes if safety wasn't a concern? Yeah. the The only trepidation I have is like fear of. of it being unsafe mm-hmm. because if if it wasn't then yeah like i would want to go explore like again like biomes like what are these biomes yeah. i haven't seen before like i'd love to go explore those things yeah. but even now like thinking about that gives me a lot of anxiety what would make you feel more comfortable or to explore those places i think if i was going with a group if i was going with a group of folks even if i didn't necessarily know the folks in the group. Mm-hmm. I think if I was going with a group and we were all there for a similar reasons, so like mm. queer folks or like uh, a, a group that where it was clear like queer folks would be welcome mm-hmm. in that, then I, I think that that would make me much feel much more comfortable mm-hmm. about going and exploring. Um, and also because I haven't done it a whole lot, like going, I think going with folks or going with someone who had experience being in areas with like no cell service mm. and what happens if we get caught in a downpour and like that kind of information like wilderness information would make me feel a lot more comfortable yeah that which makes I, sense. I feel like that's just like basic wilderness things that i just don't know yeah because i haven't done a lot of but also i mean but at the same time you're you're still speaking to this aspect of their safety in numbers Oh, for sure. And whether that's safety and we're all queer people or we're, we may not all be queer people, but at least queer people are very welcome and will be protected here. It's a safety in numbers. For sure. That, yeah, would just make you feel a lot more comfortable just accessing these places. Because, yes, they are open. It's not like there's any signs that says, nope, Jai cannot come here. But there is, whether past experiences and the very realities of just showing up alone being yourself of ooh like you're saying this is going to bring me a lot of anxiety and, and that anxiety for right now is going to keep me from that place because and it because of the realities of what could happen there yeah i and i do think that there is also something to be said for going out with community mm-hmm. as well and so I, as i was hearing you talk about that i also think it would be really lovely and really fun to go on a big like transgender non-conforming hiking trip or mm-hmm. like camping trip or something of that nature where where it was like there was this common thread of identity for mm. us as well. I do think there is a lot of power in that as yeah. well. Especially in spaces where we've been where we've been told over time that we're not welcome in those mm. spaces. Yeah. Um I think that that is something that can be really re- in a reclaiming kind of way. Mm-hmm. I think it could be really powerful. Yeah, because you're with, you know, you're with all these these like individuals um, where nobody's the token <laughs> and, every, and you're just in your group and you're and you're with people who you resonate with and you're just able to chat um, and there's not going to be any like uncomfortable questions while you're trying to enjoy nature you're able to just enjoy nature like anybody else would be able it, to exactly like I don't need to like I my I feel like the um, the question that always begins is like can I ask you a personal question every time yeah. <laughs> and every time like for the most part like I I'm comfortable like sitting and sitting through the discomfort of like talking it through with folks because I do a lot of education mm-hmm. in my personal life and in my professional life but there are also sometimes when I'm like no no I didn't come yeah. out here to do that today I came out to enjoy this wonderful canyon yeah i said look at that hummingbird yeah how did that prompt a right personal and you're like tell me about your penis no because <laughs> you're not gonna see it right <laughs> not today or ever goodbye <laughs> so um it is it is well jai this has been such a wonderful conversation thank you so much for just being so vulnerable with us today before i let you go 
reflecting on this conversation that we've had, what message would you like to leave with us today? The thing that's coming to mind for me right now is like the outdoors is for everyone. And it's also everyone's responsibility. Mm. Like it is a space for all of us. And also it is a space for everything beyond us. So we, though I, I really love being able to go and be in nature and, and, and see things I've never seen before. I think it's also really important to be aware that we are leaving a space healthier than we walked into it and that we are leaving a space without doing damage to that space. Mm. And I think that people specifically like Eurocentric people have done a lot of damage to wilderness in a, in a variety of ways. And so I wonder about what it, it can be for us to consider ourselves as being able to explore those spaces, but also to be mindful of the ways that we explore. Mm -hmm. Leaving spaces healthier than when we came to it. Like that's just, ooh. And that's for people too. Yeah, yeah. We can leave people healthier than when we came to them. Yes. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for this very lovely chat. Lots of things that I'm taking away. Lots of things that I continue to learn about you, which is always wonderful. (laughs) And it was just great having you on today's podcast. Yeah. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you so much for joining us today, and I hope your perceptions of the outdoors have been expanded. If you were impacted by what you heard today, we encourage you to make a donation to today's speaker, whose Venmo or Cash App link can be found in the episode's description. If you want to share your story, feel free to reach out to our host, Chase, whose contact information can be found on our podcast page. Also, feel free to give us a follow at Expanding the Outdoors on Spotify, or check out our Instagram page at The Wilderness Expansive, where we help to empower LGBTQIA folks in the outdoors. Until next time, stay rad and adventure on. Mm-hmm.